Today's guest is Paulette Carpenter, who is an animal homeopath practicing out of her 10-acre lifestyle block in Takahui, situated in the far north of New Zealand. Her business, called Natural Pet, caters to all animals, including cats, dogs, horses, and farm animals. She has several ranges of homeopathic pet remedies, a full dispensary, and she does one-on-one consulting. She is also the treasurer of the New Zealand Homeopathic Society, where she looks after the book room. You can find out more information at www.naturalpet.co.nz. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we get to hang out with Paulette Carpenter from New Zealand. Welcome, Paulette. Hi, Eugenie. <laughs> it's lovely to have you on today. Tell us a little bit, how were you first introduced to homeopathy? I think, like a lot of people, I actually had a bit of a medical event in my 20s and I wasn't very well. And a friend of mine said to me, why don't you go to see a naturopath? So I did. And I followed what she did and I got better and I thought I'm sold on this natural stuff. So then I decided to actually study it myself. So I started naturopathy. Uh, But then I realized I actually want to do animals. I don't want to do people. And one of the ladies said to me, you should look at homeopathy because once you go homeopathy, you never go back. And so I had a look around and thought, what animal courses are out there? So I thought, oh, I'll have a look at do that. And yeah, that was it. I was sold. Oh, what year was that you joined them? I think it was 2008. I qualified in 2011. So yeah, it would have been about 2008. Oh, we would have had a bit of a crossover Mm. then because I started with them in 2010. Oh, so okay. Yeah, yeah, we've got a couple of years, yeah, together there. Right towards Ooh. my end, they the end of studying with them, they changed their name from Bay of Plenty College of Homeopathy to Thanks. College of Natural Health and Homeopathy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a, quite a big mouthful. So why homeopathy for animals? What got you excited about that? Because I'm just such a big animal lover and I just thought, I don't really want to do people, I want to do animals. So we had lots of animals, we were dairy farming. Yeah, so I just wanted to treat animals more than people. And how would you use the homeopathy with your animals at home what sort of things would you do with them all sorts from injuries sprained poor cuts wound mental emotional when they're upset or scared yeah there's not many things just like people there's not many things that you can't treat for an animal with homeopathy yeah amazing the nice thing about animals is that you haven't gotten near that placebo effect because they can't tell you it isn't working and they don't realize that you're giving it to them (laughs) that's exactly right completely that whole placebo argument completely blows that one out of the water (laughs) they're pretty honest yeah Yeah. So do you still have, are you still doing dairy farming? No, we're not currently anymore. We gave up about five years ago. We were contract milking and we were really busy and my business was getting really busy. So I said to my partner, I have to give up something. I don't want to do the dairy farming anymore. I want to focus on my business full time. And he said, if you're not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. So we left and brought our lifestyle block that we're on now. Oh, amazing. And you're also the treasurer for the New Zealand Homeopathic Society. Yes, I am. Yeah. When did you join them? Gosh, I think around 2019, I think. They put the call out and said that the society really needed help. So a group of us got together and thought we're going to help it and build it back up. So yeah, it's been good. That's really oh. a labor of love, hey, because it is. Oh, then you might think, oh, yeah, I'll put my hand up, just be a couple of hours here and there, but it probably ends up being so much work that you end up putting into it. And then on top of yeah. running your own practice as well. 
Yeah, definitely. And I also look after the book room. So I get to order all the books, which is a bit dangerous because I just don't want to buy everything. And yeah, that takes up quite a bit of time too. But I do love it. You've had a few emails from me over the last couple of years. (laughs) Have you got this book? Have you got that? (laughs) So Paulette, you also have a range of products that are going into shops. So taggy wag, right? Yes, I do. I was back in 2019, I think December, I was contacted by a distributor that wanted to have a homeopathic cat and dog range. So in March 2021, they placed their first order and my cat and dog range, which is called Taggy Wick, is now getting out into pet shops and I have it in some health shops and even a couple of natural vets. So, Wow, that is really cool. And what sort of products do you have? I think there's actually about 38 remedies in the range now. I originally started off with about 12 and then... When I get asked a lot for a certain remedy, I think, oh, maybe I need to start adding that into the range. So I do fleeing. Spring spring is my contact allergies for allergies to grasses. That's one of my best sellers. My drama queen for anxiety. (laughs) I do a a lot of tonics for kidney, liver, Cushing's disease, hypothyroidism in cats. Yeah. And do you have, because I think in New Zealand, you can still do personal fireworks, right? We don't have that here in Perth, but... I remember when I was living in New Zealand, it would drive me nuts. Like from about the 5th of November with Guy Fox all the way through till New Year's, there'd just be fireworks going off and the poor animals would just, do you have a a mix for that as well? I do. I have my fearless as for that, for fireworks and yeah. Mm. Oh. Yes, and we still do have people can use them. Oh, why do they still mm. do that? It's and the other thing is once when my kids are a bit older now, when they were babies and the fireworks would go off and you just put your baby to sleep and the bloody firework mm. wakes them up, I'd be ready to go kill yeah. somebody. Because <laughs> daylight savings is set in then. So it doesn't get eight late or dark till like nine thirty. So yeah, and then everybody sets their guy fireworks off after that. Oh, Mm. and daylight saving is my other gripe. So let's not go there because when you had, (laughs) luckily we don't have daylight saving in Perth because I used to remember just getting my, like wanting to get my babies to sleep, but I had to tell them, okay, you have to go to bed an hour earlier now. They'd be like three, four years old. They look outside, but it's light. The sun is shining. I can't go to sleep now. Oh, anyway. So yeah, it's wonderful that people are happy to receive to have your products in the shops and I think people in New Zealand are a little bit more open-minded most people at least know what homeopathy is here in Australia we've got a real struggle with actually educating people on what homeopathy is and it's wonderful that you've managed to grow the range so quickly from just what did you say 12 now to about 36 in such a short period of time yeah that's incredible and wonderful Mm. that vets are stocking it as well that says quite yeah I'm actually getting more and I'm finding that as well oh sorry vets will actually start have started referring some of their customers to me Mm. which was really nice Ah. because that's something that never used to happen yeah and you you still get some that are very close to it but more and more are becoming more open yeah we actually have a part of I think the veterinary university that actually has a complimentary side to it and each year they have a conference and I actually do goodie bags for the conference and have a little remedy and lots of little information and stuff like that they give out to all the university vet students so oh that's another way of getting it yeah absolutely wonderful and Mm. I mean you're it sounds like you're quite passionate about educating people on how they can use homeopathy for their animals because you've said you've got some pdfs on your website that people can download on how to give remedies to their animals as well hey 
Yeah, it is actually working because I get more and more people inquiring. I actually had an email today about a lady that said that because of my website, she had the courage to keep treat her chickens homeopathically oh. and she saved one of her chickens' life this morning. So she was emailing <laughs> me to tell me. Yeah, I do little PDFs, just remedies that they can use. I've got one at the moment for chickens and one for lamb rearing and nine ways to have a healthy cat and dog and ones for dairy farmers so they can know what remedies to use. And mm. I'm just working on one for goats and pigs at the moment so that'll be coming out so I will never need to download your goat one because we had goats here for a bit and that goat destroyed my $250 avocado tree my pride and joy it completely Mm. destroyed it beyond the I tried giving the tree some homeopathics but it actually snapped the whole like the trunk the whole trunk of the tree the trunk yeah. I gave it Arnica and gave it Aconite, but yeah, the tree was just like, nah, I'm out of here. So yeah, They no are more... very destructive goats. They're so cute though, especially the miniature ones. But yeah, no more goats for yeah. me, that's it. <laughs> My trade no. pigs. If you're giving dairy farmers advice on using homeopathics, it's obviously coming from a place of having lots of experience yourself because you would have still had the dairy farm while you had already qualified, been able to use it on your own. Yes. Bird. Yeah. I did. I used to use it extensively on the cows for And I'm guessing mastitis just, you know. was probably a big one. And the other thing, did they ever give the cows Ignatia, like when they take the lambs? Yep. That's, yeah. Aww. Yeah, there's so many things that you can use it for. Mm. Yeah, when they come into the shed, I used to always give them Ignatia. Mm. And they always used to have Arnica and Ballas as well for, for bruising to the reproductive organs. Mm. Mastitis is amazing. We used to use the Blend PSCC, which is a phytolacca sulfur silica and carbo veg that's a very common blend for dairy cows and honestly I would give it to them one milking and by the next milking which is eight hours later you would actually see a difference in the milk but yeah so that was really good um yeah but lots of things for helping them cycle getting pregnant Mm. colophyllum a biggie for giving six weeks before calving uterus Mm. I've actually got a good little case about that but oh tell us (laughs) Oh, that one's actually about a horse. Okay. Client come to me several years ago and they had a horse that she'd had three foals beforehand and she'd had trouble with every single birthing. And what would happen was she would go into labor, it would drag on forever, the vet would come out, they would have to assist her, the foal would be pulled out. She would end up with uterus infection. She'd get really thin. She'd get really sick. She, her milk wouldn't come in. The foal wouldn't do very well. The last time she actually got pregnant and she gave birth, they actually just about lost her. They thought she was going to die. Mm. So they decided not to breed from her anymore. But nature being nature, stallion jump fence <laughs> and birds and the bees. And she ended up getting pregnant again. So they contacted me and said, we're so worried. Last time we just about lost her. What can you do to help us? So I said to them, if we start off with, we're just going to use colophyllum, 30C, give it to her two to three times a week, six weeks before She's actually going to birth. Mm. Colophyllum's excellent for toning the uterus, getting everything ready to have a nice, easy birthing. I said, and then after that, we'll just see how she goes. And they mm. said, but what are we going to do about the uterus infection? She always gets a uterus infection and her milk not coming in. And I said, well, we'll see how the colophyllum goes and then we'll deal with all that once she's given birth. So we came about a week out and they rang up and very panicky and Oh, we're so worried. And I said, yep, we'll just see how it goes. Anyway, about five days later, they rang me up and said she foaled overnight. She had the foal. We didn't have to ring the vet. Oh. She had it by herself. The 
Fowl is doing really well. Her milk's come in. She's feeding really well. And there's no sign of a uterus infection. So it was a picture perfect birth. And probably so, very healing birth for that, for the mum as well. Yeah. I'm sure and animals would like, obviously they experience so many of the same emotions as us. So I'm just thinking of that, of that mare as a mother, like her having that healing birth must have been quite nice as well. Yeah. That was a lovely story. Yeah. And any other stories? If you, I love listening to cases. So if you've got any other animal cases you want to share with us, that will be lovely. Okay. So yes, I have a cat that has a megacolon. Now for... Those that don't know, a megacolon, it's actually quite a chronic condition. It's mainly affects cats. Mm. And what happens is that they get a buildup in their colon, it stretches and it becomes a megacolon and then it can't function properly and it weakens it. So they end up getting really badly constipated. And usually it fills up with old hard feces and it just gets drier and it can actually become quite life-threatening. So I had an eight-year-old cat. So pretty much his poos would get stuck. They would then dehydrate and he'd get really bad. And even the slightest change would disrupt him. Mentally, emotionally, diet-wise, anything would just bring it on and flare it up. And he was at the stage where he was having an enema every four to five days. How horrible is that for the poor little thing? Mm. He was actually on my bowel move. I do a remedy for constipation and it's called bowel move in the Tegiwig range. And he'd been doing really well on it, but they'd given it to him so much that he actually started proving it. Mm. So we had to stop using it. So it had actually been going on for about eight months. And what happened is they actually put it back to a really stressful event that had happened to the cat. They don't know what happened to him, but he come in one night and he was absolutely terrified and all his back claws were shredded. So they have no idea what happened, but they also had a neighboring Tom cat that moved in as a kitten and they were friends and used to play together and got on really well. But this Tom cat grew up and then obviously got territorial and would really wind him up mm. and he'd get really quite emotionally upset about it. Quite often when cats get stressed out, they groom and they overgroom. So with him mm. overgrooming, he was eating fur. So that was causing big clumps in his intestinals tract which was the whole cause of the megacolon so it was pretty much a mental emotional issue that was starting it Mm. but it ended up being that physical problem so we did the case he was a pretty laid-back little cat apart from that he wasn't a lap cat but he's very talkative so I ended up the remedy I chose was kelp carp we gave it to him in a 30c and that was about the 20th of August that they actually we did the consult so on the 18th of this they contacted me back and uh, just about out of cow calf and said that he was doing fantastic. He had, was having normal bowel motions since he'd been on the remedy. Oh. He hadn't had an enema since he'd been on the remedy. There was, but there's still a little bit of blood and mucus left in the stool. So we ended up repeating the cow calf and I also put him on Morgan Bark, the mm. bowel nozoid, to see yeah, if that would help favorite. with the, yeah, clearing up. I just love bowel nozoids, clearing yeah, up the, <laughs> the blood and the mucus. So. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a good outcome. So, yeah, oh. mental emotional issues are huge in animals. A lot of people don't think so. A lot of vets don't have an answer for the mental emotional side of stuff. But that's where homeopathy is so amazing. Have you yeah. got any other stories that you want to share with us? Yeah, I actually have got a few other little cases that I've jotted down. I've got one of a dog that ended up with a foreign body in his jaw. Mm. He developed a lump on his jaw. So the owner, as they usually do first, they took him to the vet. Mm. They took a sample of it and it came back as an infection. 
The owner didn't want to use antibiotics. They actually had done antibiotics, but they hadn't done anything. So mm. she actually contacted me and said, I don't want to do any more antibiotics. They haven't done anything. The lump goes down a bit, but it just doesn't go away. So I have a remedy called PetMend, and it's just a remedy for healing wounds. It's it's got arnica and calendula and echinacea and leadum and hypericum and all those lovely remedies for doing that. So she was using that for seven days and the lump had really reduced, but it was still mm. there. She said it was just a little tiny ball. So I said to her, I wonder if it's actually got something in it and it just needs to come out. So we started the dog on silica. So after about three or four days on silica, the wound blew open. And she contacted me and said, oh, it's wound's just blown open. And I said, well, that's fantastic. That's what we wanted. Mm -hmm. There's obviously something in there that needed to come out and it wouldn't heal. So she did that. And I said, now we just need to stop the silica, go back onto the pet mend and just heal the wound. And it just healed it up really nicely. That's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And are all the tag bag one the remedies mostly combinations? Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Oh, I love combinations. Yeah. So I, I have a few ranges. So yeah, so I do my taggy wig range to my cat and dog. I do a horse range and I do my agripathics, which is a farming range. Mm. But I also do one-on-one consults where I prescribe, you know, more one-on-one remedies for more chronic health issues. Well, so, Camilla sure will be happy yeah. to know that you say agripathics because with I'm assuming you mean as in with plants, right? The agripathics is my farming range, yeah. but I'm actually just starting working on my agropathics, which is my plant oh, range. Okay, because <laughs> Camilla sure said a really valid thing the other day is as homeopaths, we talk about agro homeopathy, but she's actually yeah. advocating that we start talking about agri homeopathy because agri for agriculture. And I was like, yeah, I actually really oh, okay. agree with yeah. that. Why do we say agro-homeopathy? We should be always using the term agri-homeopathy. I actually feel that's more correct. So I've now hopped on her wagon to try and <laughs> get everyone to use the term agri-homeopathy instead. Agree. Well, yeah. yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, agriculture covers farming animals as well as horticulture with plants and stuff like that. So, yeah, true, it's like it hand in hand, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, I think you mentioned you have one more story about corneal dystrophy. Yes, I do. I have one about that. I also mm. have a little one about diabetes, which oh, is pretty cool. Oh, share but... them all, share them all. So this one about corneal dystrophy is another dog. And the people came to me in July this year and it had been happening for about five to six months. And the dog developed eye inflammation. And what it was doing is it was, for some reason, it was developing too much calcium and develop lipids and it would have calcium deposits onto its corneal and so obviously when it was blinking it had these rough deposits that would then ulcerate Mm. the eye so it was constantly doing that it had really badly impaired vision it was making the eyeball really rough with ulceration actually now painful that must be for it it was on vet drops, which would work really well. But as soon as they stopped using the drops, it would all just come back. It wasn't getting rid of the problem. It was just keeping it at bay. And so we did the case and I actually come up with Calc Foss 30C. So it was actually my first case of doing that. So I was about, oh my gosh, I don't really quite know. So yeah, I saw her at the start of July. She contacted me at the end of August. And the calcium deposits had stopped developing. The dog hadn't been on any of the drops for well over a month from the vet. Mm. So, yeah, hopefully the calc boss resolved that issue. Oh, and, that's yeah. really cool. Wonderful. Yeah, that must have been mm. so painful. Hey, if I know if I just yeah. get the tiniest little bit of dust or whatever in my eye, that can be so painful. So to have these deposits, ouch. Yeah, wow. yeah. And, and the other one you said about, months. Yeah, you said about the diabetes as well? 
Yeah, I had a little dog. The owner came to me in August and it had just been diagnosed with diabetes about four weeks earlier. All that it was doing, it just started weeing around the house a lot, weeing a lot more than what it used to do. So they took it to the vet, they tested it and it was diabetic and it was on two injections a day to try and keep it under control. We did the case and the thing that I've noticed over the years is that a lot of dogs and even cats that develop diabetes and they've got a history of having pancreatitis. So they tend to have, all of them seem to have had pancreatitis somewhere along the way and then they end up with diabetes. So now what I've started doing is my clients that come to me with their dogs with pancreatitis, I get them on the pancreatin nozo to try mm. and help stop that happening. But yeah, apart from that, the dog didn't actually have any other symptoms that we could really, it was one of these mm. cases that, no, it's appetite, it's fine. It's, yeah. you Everyone's know, urinating fine. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it hasn't got any skin yeah. issues. It hasn't got any other problems. It's just weeing and it's got diabetes. Okay, <laughs> really helpful. So I actually ended up putting it on Iris Verse, okay. the homeopathic remedy, which is a big diabetes remedy, but it has a history of pancreatitis in it. Oh. So I put it on that and I also put it on the pancreatin 7C potency, mm. which is, I think the pancreatin is made up of lots of enzymes out of the pancreas, isn't it? So that it started on the 27th of August on the remedy. On the 30th of August, which was only three days later, it went into the vets for a day so they could monitor it and check it all day for its insulin blood sugar levels. When she went to pick it up, the vet said to her, I don't know what's happening, but your dog is now testing that it hasn't got diabetes. Wow, that is and cool. The vet said to her, what did you do? And at first she went, oh, nothing, because so many people don't like Yeah, they don't want to admit. <laughs> and he went, I don't understand what's happening. She goes, I have done one thing. And she said, what's that? And she said, I've tried homeopathy. And he went, what did they use? Give me their number. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it doesn't actually always work like that. You don't just give everybody the same remedy. But What yeah, an amazing so, vet, though, to actually be uh, open-minded enough to ask for more information. That's really cool. Not yeah. to say, oh, that must have been placebo. That couldn't possibly have worked. Yeah. Mm. And, yeah, so then they had the little dog back in a couple of weeks later to check everything and still was not testing at all. And so she was saying to me, why do you think that happened? And I said, I think what happened is that the pancreas was damaged and just wasn't functioning properly and the pancreatin has just helped the pancreas function better and produce its own insulin so now it's not reading that it's diabetic oh, and that's very injection. cool just saying we're kind of testing how long this dog might have to be on the pancreatin we're not quite sure if we take it off it if it's pancreas isn't going to be able to function without it so at the moment mm. we're kind of testing what we're going to do about that and how are they administering it to the dog is it something that they're putting in their water bowl daily or do they directly give it to them or how do they administer it i always advise customers to either do it into the mouth food or water so i really leave it up to them because at the end of the day there's no use stressing your animal out mm. to get a remedy into them, especially if you've got a cat. So people are like, oh my God, I cannot get the remedy into my cat. So you're better off putting it into their food because you're actually probably undoing all the good that you're going to do with the remedy if you have to wrap it in a towel, get it in a headlock and yeah. pry its little jaw yeah. open yeah. and then get drops in it. And I find that my customers still get really good results putting it into their food. Amazing. And no, yeah. I sometimes have to have a giggle that when I started, we were told don't eat or drink for half an hour before and after a remedy and yeah. everything like that. 
bad, but mm. the remedies actually do do still work, even if they I still wouldn't advise yeah. my clients to take the remedy with food, but somehow magically they still yeah. work and it's probably totally fine to do that. And especially with animals, I do know of this one client of mine who drills a hole in her carrots and then puts the remedy in there and then gives it to her horse that way. Oh yeah, It's the only way yeah. she can get it yeah. into the horse. <laughs> Mm, Um, I've been lucky with our cats and with dogs, with our dog. And when we had a horse, they all just licked it off my hand. So I've made Mm. some like little videos that I put on Instagram of me giving it to the animals. And then people say, but Mm. my animal doesn't do that. It'll scratch my face off if I try to open it Exactly. But what other ways do you recommend that people give remedies to their animals? Have you had to become really creative or have you found some really good ways? I mean, have you ever had to dose a whole herd of dairy cow or whole herd of lambs? Yeah, definitely. On the farm, in the shed, I used to lift the tail and spray it onto their fanny because ah. it's a mucous membrane and that's the only thing that's facing you. Okay. Uh, but I found that really helpful. Even if you had a cow that was down, if you went to spray it on their nose, you can guarantee just as you got to their nose and you sprayed it, they'd move their nose and it would just mist into the air. So individually, yeah, that was really good. I even tried our tick and lice remedy. Our cows had ticks and we put it in the teat spray. So it's a a product that sprays their teats and helps their little teats close up after they're milked. And the next milking they come in and they hardly had any ticks on them. So we found it worked really just doing that. And when you're treating the whole herd, it's into the water trough. So you just Mm. go and put a few capfuls into their trough. Mm. which is a paddock they're in for the day. So every time they have a drink, they get a bit of That's cool. Drink. And do you then have to go with a big spoon in there, like kind of succuss it like around or stir it around, or do you just pour it in and that's it? I just used to just flick it over the top. And because yeah. as they're drinking it, it's going down and then more water's coming in. So mm. it's just, yeah. I I always ask these questions because I know it's the type of things that our listeners are wondering about and that they would want to know, like what exactly, because people will be very specific with me and they'll say, you know, how many milliliters of water do I need to use per Mm. two pillules and things like that? I'm like, it doesn't matter. But some people, their brains work in a way that they will actually want to be given specifics. And so it's good to be able to say, actually, with the homeopathics, it doesn't really matter. It's one less thing you can stress about. Yeah. Yeah, and I get that from a lot of people. How many drops do I give? I've got a cow. How many drops do I give? And if you're giving it individually, it's just four drops, no matter what the size, if they're getting it straight to them. But yeah, most people, a big water trough, which on a dairy farm, it can be a couple of hundred litres of water. Mm. I just used to use two capfuls off the bottle into the water trough. So Mm. yeah. Amazing. Seems to be enough. Paulette, is there any other information that you want to share with our listeners? Any last message that you want to leave them with before we finish up? I always say to my customers to not be scared to use it. People get quite scared and think, oh, I can't, I shouldn't do it. I might overdo it. And I'm like, no. Or they say, does it have to specifically be twice a day at the same time every day? No, it doesn't. If it works for you three times a day, then do it three times a day. If it only works for you once a day, then do it once a day. Don't be scared to experiment because Mm. just like people, they're all individuals and what works for one will be completely different to what works for another. And Mm. don't be scared to try it out. You're not going to do any harm. Just give it a go. Amazing. And how can people get hold of you? I have my website, which is www.naturalpet.co.nz. They can also email me on info, so that's info at naturalpet.co.nz. So, yeah, and also for my New Zealand customers, I have a free phone number, 0508 466 367. Excellent. 
Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today. It was lovely to speak with you and I'll be in touch again soon. Okay.